Hello, world. Welcome to another week of Golf Subpar. I am Colt Nost. He is the sleazy man, Drew Stoltz. What a week for Stuart Sink at the RBC Heritage. Absolutely dominating performance. Uh, you know, picks up his third tartan jacket around that joint. His eighth career PGA Tour win at 47 years old. Quite the performance, Sleaze. Yeah, it was clinical. Uh, it, I'm sure it was fun for him. I'm sure it was fun for everyone in the Sink family. If you were at home watching golf on Sunday and were hoping a, a shootout might break out, wasn't the most uh, exciting event on the PGA Tour, but that's pre- credit to Stuart Sink. Came out, shoots 126 on Thursday, Friday, 63-63, and he pretty much had a stranglehold on it at that point and, and never let up. I thought going into Sunday we'd see this thing get close. I thought Colin Morikawa, clearly the most likely guy to do that, comes out birdies one. I was like, here we go. This thing's going to get tight. Falls that up with a bogey on two. And really, I mean, dude, there was no drama to speak of. I wish we could uh, go off on something crazy that happened this week. But after that second hole with Colin Morikawa, that thing was pretty much done. It only got to three, I think, at the closest. And that was at the very end. It was going to take some sort of a miracle for him to not win. But uh, tip of the cap to Stewie Sink. I was watching it, Colt, when I say I think I thought it was going to get close. Like, we see guys get leads, and then it, it shrinks up and things like that. But watching Stuart Sink clean up some putts from about four feet and in. There was a lot going on. He's got the grip. There was some moving around. There's just a lot of energy and brain being used on those. And I thought that's where we we're going to see it, but it really didn't happen. I mean, he, he cleaned them up. Nice. Yeah. He played great all week. Um, yeah. The, the short putts were a little stressful, but at the end of the day, he got it done and it was a dominating performance. Really cool to see at 47 years old, picks up his second win of the season and uh, things are good in the sink in the sink family. But you know what else? We got some good news. Please. We got some more merch coming everyone's way. You can see the little, the hat there, the subpar hat. We got some hats, visors, all kinds of new things coming. Y'all have been awesome. Went up, bought all kinds of stuff. We sold out in like two days, which was really cool. But we got more coming, more designs. They're going to be available in the golf.com pro shop. Go check that out. Click on the subpar collection and go get yourself some subpar merch, some birdie juice. It is awesome. Um, the, re- the reviews have been great. So we really appreciate y'all buying all that merch, and we will keep it stocked for y'all. But, Slays, we got a guest this week. Kind of call him a friend of me. You know, he moved to Scottsdale, tried to take over our stomping grounds, tried to, you know, poach on our guests a little bit, I would say. But our, our guys were loyal. They stayed away for the most part. <laughs> but this guy, he has built quite the brand. I mean, you got you to gotta give him that. He has done an unbelievable job. He has taken the golf division at Barstool to a whole nother level. He is Riggs from the four-play pod. And uh, quite a story he has. Yeah, it was fun getting into it. You know, I didn't know Riggs at all until he moved here. Now we've gotten to hang out a few times and things like that. We're going to be playing some golf um, upcoming. But you got to, you got to, um, you know, give, give them the credit they deserve. Barstool is a monster. They're the behemoth on the block. They are like the blue, you know, gold standard, I'm sorry, for, um, you know, all this social media and all the digital stuff, podcasts. And, and Riggs has built a beast at uh, foreplay. It was, but it was fun talking to him, and you'll see it in the interview, kind of the story of how he got there. We've all heard the show. We all kind of know the characters that are on that podcast, but I didn't really know the background of how he got from where he was to how he was running, you know, the foreplay podcast. So it was cool to get a little background and inside story. And um, it's been good getting to, it's been fun getting to know him now that he's been spending all the, the winter in Scottsdale. Yeah, he, he's a blast. I played with him a few times. He's a golf freak. He let the whole world down. He had a chance to get Paige Brannick in her underwear. You'll hear all about that and more here with Riggs on Golf Subpar. All right, what a monumental event this is here. Three of the sharpest golf minds of our generation, I would say, in the same place at the same time. We're with the host of Barstool's Four Play Podcast. You know him, you love him, Sam Riggs Bazoian. Did I say it right? You nail it. That's actually pretty good. Perfect. People, no man, deal. I had some teachers mess that up bad, especially what? in like Missouri. So I've had a lot I was of worried about bad pronunci- pronunciations of my name. What was some of the worst with you? 
one she we had a uh it was when i was in like sixth grade and we had a substitute teacher whenever we had a substitute teacher they would call you know like attendance at the beginning of class and she said like like bose e i ian yeah and, and i just was like was that me? It was like uh, Costanza. Mm-hmm. When Cartwright? Like, yeah. I'm Cartwright. <laughs> I was like, who are you talking about? So, That's awesome. Yeah, it is wild. It's it a happens. tricky one. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of vowels. There's three vowels in a row. O-I-A-N. Yeah, you're like a Hawaiian. You just don't see A lot that. of vowels. Right. So yeah. it's it's a mix. I get it. And so I was just bozo forever. Yeah. Who calls you Sam now to this day? Anyone other than parents, maybe? Almost. my my. Uh, so one of my best nicknames, obviously, I play hockey growing up and in college. No big deal. And my uh, my my dad calls me Sam Boney. Oh, I, got you. I get okay. it. Yeah, good I get one. it. Really good. I get one. It. He's a huge nickname guy. My mom always just calls me Sammy B. Okay. okay. Real simple, like Sammy B. What Do up? Do any of your friends like even know that your name's Sam? Nowadays, it, it was always either Bozo, and now they love that it's Riggs because nobody ever called me Riggs, and I just kind of hoodwinked like Dave and Big Cat when we were going with nicknames because I didn't want to be called Bozo anymore. <laughs> so you just picked your own? You're like, well, yeah, Riggs. It was so stupid. I remember I got I got hired kind of in a whirlwind. Like, I'm employee number 19, so it was five years ago. Barstool was way smaller, way less legitimate of a company. And Kmarco, Keith, who was the editor-in-chief for a long time, was just like, hey, dude, I'm creating your login. Like, what do you want your nickname to be? Because nobody wrote under their real name. It was either KFC or it was El Prez or Big Cat or whatever. And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, well, I'm creating the login. What do you want it to be? I was like, this is – my middle name's Riggs. And he's like, cool. And he just created the login. And now everybody calls me Riggs. Oh, so that wasn't even like growing up nickname. You just said, I, I need a login. Here we go. And I want to be Bozo. A few people called me Riggs. Like, I'm named after uh, like Samuel Riggs was a family member back in the day. Which So, like, they go together nicely. But they never – Riggs was never like its own thing. I like it now because, like, nobody's fucking called Riggs. So – yeah, you're one of one. Yeah. You're like a one namer, like Prince and Beyonce. I'm not, but <laughs> there's a there's like a singer songwriter whose name is Sam Riggs as well, and I think he's kind of rattled because he's like I'm pretty good at winning yeah, this. I'm yeah. really good. And Idiot blogger. This guy. <laughs> it's you Google Chips Sam Riggs. Yeah, he got screwed. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Well, let's Sorry. talk a little bit about your upbringing though. Like, when did you get introduced to the game of golf? Obviously, you were a hockey player at some school. Northeast, a little whatever. commuter college. That yeah. must have been a good. There's deal. no way to tell people you went to Harvard without sounding like an asshole. <laughs> because if not. you if you downplay it, you're being like belittling. Yeah. If you're like, oh, small school up in Cambridge, you're like a belittling dickhead. And then if you're just come out with it, someone's like, oh, where'd you go? So you're like Harvard. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah, got to <laughs> announce it. So there's just no way to say it. So yeah, I, I played college hockey. I played a little bit of golf as a kid with my old man. You know, like he just loved to go to the driving range. My dad's a grinder, so like he just loves to go to the range and hit balls. We would go to the range and hit balls a good amount. Then for like eight, ten years, I probably didn't play really any golf until my older brother, who's four years older than I am, he was in college. His buddies got him into golf. You always want to do what your older brother's doing when you're a younger, you know, younger brother. So he would kind of hit me up, and he played college hockey at uh, uh, Fredonia State up in upstate New York. He'd be like, me and my boys are playing golf. So then I just got into golf summertime whenever we'd kind of train, work out, whatever for hockey. We just play golf in the afternoon. And since I was probably 16, 17, I've just been obsessed with golf. Let me ask you this, though, about, about hockey. Did you get into Harvard more because your hockey skills or academics? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but there's you, no athletic Don't ask a question you know right? the answer to. Don't be a dickhead about it. Uh, you don't just slide in there with some bullshit SAT score and be like, oh, I also play hockey, and they sign you up. It's a mix. So, so Ivy League schools require, like, an academic performance index, which essentially – every team has to meet an average. So we would always laugh like we would 
you know, you'd get, you could get kids in that weren't as impressive academically, but then if you look like the third or fourth string goalie on every hockey team is like a genius. <laughs> He's a yeah. brain surgeon. Right. Yeah. So it was a good mix. Like I, after I was already accepted to Harvard, I was still taking the SATs because if I got a higher grade or score, they could potentially recruit somebody with less academic. Yes. You know, freeze it up. Yeah. So it was, it, so it's a little bit of a mix. Like, no, you can't just be it, like, there's certain people that probably went to other schools, state schools, whatever that couldn't have gotten into Harvard, but it's also not like there's zero chance I would have gotten to Harvard without hockey. Zero. Well, let me ask you the important question. What are the women of Harvard like? Smart. Obviously smart. <laughs> Studious. Like the women of Scottsdale are different. <laughs> it's a different scene. It's out similar. Here. It's yeah, a, I'd it's say a similar. Significantly different scene. One thing about Boston though is that like there's more college students per capita in Boston, or at least one of the highest of any city in the country, because there's BU, there's BC, there's just so many schools up there. Um, so it was a it was a good time. Boston also is probably my favorite city I've ever lived in. It's just such it's got so much character. It's got so much heart. So it's like being in that town and also like we're playing hockey. It's a winter sport. So we don't really care about, you know, it's more just kind of you're in the grind, you're working out, you think you're going to be like this play in the NHL. And so everything, and, and then you realize like, oh, actually life's way different than that. Never mind. So yeah, you're kind of in a bubble, almost like in Scottsdale. It's a different type of bubble, but you're in a bubble a little bit. Give me the give me the scouting report on Riggs as a hockey player. You're writing your own scouting report. Other teams reading it. What do we got to look out for? What kind of player are we going up against? Pure skill, zero strength, mm -hmm. um, defensive liability. So I would be heart. Yeah, you a, a heart guy. Really ugly skater, but great hands. And I would be either legit. I would either be like first line left winger and on the power play, or I'd be in the stands because like I couldn't. I didn't have what it took to be like a third or fourth line guy that would grind in the corners. Coach Donato, who's still there was still just like, no, no, he can't. He either needs to, he's like a skill guy or, or that's it. Well, I heard you drove him crazy too because you always showed up late to practice because you're up playing Halo a little late at night. Yeah, let's talk about this Halo a little bit. I got real into Halo. <laughs> Who didn't play video games in college? I honestly didn't, but, you know. I was, we were like instant were football doing? during my era. That we didn't I, have. It was, was I'm like an era before you. Trying to get to the PJ. We tour. were playing. Okay, uh, well, you do it at night. You can't play, you're not playing golf at night. You read yardage books. Yeah. No days off. Yeah. No days off. Clearly. Yeah. I can tell from your hobbies right <laughs> yes. now. It's very, SMU is very obvious. The Harvard of Texas. Mm -hmm. so. And TC. We basically went, all went to Harvard. Dude, we would play Halo. We would play three-on-three -three battles. And we'd do two different rooms. You could link up. And me and my college roommates would just play Halo all the time. All the time. We'd get in screaming matches. We wouldn't talk to each other for days. Were you like ranked? I've been told, like, were you a ranked player? Like, however that works? No. Like, that good? Oh, no, okay. See, no, our friends lie. To our us. friends are full of shit, but yeah, but you're still you good. I'm not telling you, no, we can't reveal we, sources. We got boots on the ground. I was good, but I wasn't like. I mean, now it's also hard to compare because now there's people that are legitimately good at video games and ranked, and they make millions, millions, millions. literally yeah. millions. Yeah. In our time, I mean, this like late 2000s, that was a fantasy. Like that yeah. wasn't a real thing. I was just a little bit better than the guys I played with that were across the hall. Yeah. You well, could have been ninja before ninja. God, imagine being ninja. How sick yeah, that I mean, is. I mean, yeah. Just like make many million. 20 million a month. Just Do you guys know this out. Nade Shot guy? You know who he is? I don't know anybody with any of that. I, I've heard of Ninja. That's, a, that's a Ninja's the only dude I've ever heard of. Yeah. This Nade Shot guy, big video game guy, I guess like 100 Thieves is like his, he created a video game like team and he's the president of the team or CEO of the team. And he tweets at me all the time that I'm like his favorite guy because he loves golf and that we need to play. And so then I didn't watch Subpar. 
Well, then I DM <laughs> I've told him you guys don't exist. <laughs> well, then I DM him, and he just doesn't respond to my DM. So I can't tell if he's trolling me or not. He has like mm. 3 million followers on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. Slide in there. A little I, side hustle. I've been sliding in. He yeah, just doesn't sliding. respond. He only tweets at me publicly. Like, we got to play golf. And then I DM him, like, let's play golf. And then he'll tweet at me. He's trolling you. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm getting <laughs> fucked. Exactly. But what was the plan going into Harvard? Like, was it to play hockey in the NHL? What did you want to do after school? It wasn't start a golf podcast. It wasn't, no. I, it was It was honestly like try to go to the NHL, get the easiest degree you possibly could, which was sociology for me. Oh, and what I tried to get. I didn't finish, though. You and Gary Woodland. <laughs> yeah. We could ask him the same. I don't remember any of the names that we Is could Gary have Is Gary a social guy? Uh, in the sense that he has a degree, I yeah. think, with that word on it. We should, but he doesn't we, know like the godfathers of sociology. If, so. if we did a trivia, it would be very funny at how little. It was like Dirks, Markheim. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Somebody else. With see, he's heard of them. So yeah, he, he might actually have a real degree. Gary's like, I have no idea who those people are. Karl Marx, he's a big one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it was legit sociology because I hated taking tests, but I always thought I could bullshit my way through a paper and get like a B. Fair. Like I could know nothing about the material, but I could write it in a way where the professor, TA, would be like, eh, he doesn't really know what he's talking about, but it's a pretty decent paper. We'll give him a B. So sociology was for me, and I had zero plan after that. And I also didn't – my biggest issue in college, it took me a while to get through college, was that like I was Mr. Straight Edge going into college all through high school. Like I never drank. I never did shit. I just wanted to play hockey and do well in school. And then my freshman year, I just like found partying and drinking. And that was so much cooler than anything else in my life. I so, oh, I was <laughs> a just, lot of great athletes have fallen down that. Oh path. man! Uh, well, I appreciate you calling me a great athlete. Yeah. But I was just all in on. I just wanted to hang and meet people, and hockey became less and less serious. And like guys that now that I played with now that are in the NHL, like Alex Kalorn, who just won a Stanley Cup, um, who's a good golfer by the way. Like he just took hockey and all that very seriously. Like he only he only like he cooked and grilled his own chicken and ate meals that he would. You know, he was actually thinking about, like, dietary, like, what he's going to do. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, let's go have 30 Keystone Lights or whatever and get after it. That's what everybody's doing. And so I didn't have that in me. And I, I realized after a year or two, I was like, I don't have what they have. Yeah, that takes a little bit of little mm-hmm. little dedication. There's a lot of great athletes lost in freshman year of college. Yeah, to just say happens. they discover some new things and say, you know what, I don't yeah. love golf as much anymore or other things. But you, all right, so you get your degree, then you get a job in what I believe it's in sales, right, or something like that. But you're doing political blogging, like moonlighting with some political blogging. Were you trying to get into politics at that point? I was honestly, I was such a barstool fan, and not even a, like just a barstool fan, but I of what they were doing, like the job. And, and I, and I looked at, and I bounced around a couple of different sales gigs in the Boston area, technology sales. And I, I hated it. I just like, I was that guy on the bus every morning, rode the seven bus from Southie into, into the financial district of Boston. And every Monday, Tuesday, I'd just be like, this is the worst. I can't believe this is a real life thing. Like we live in a free country. I'm choosing to go like, this is crazy town. And meanwhile, I would check Barstool and, you know, here's Dave and Big Cat and they're laughing and they're doing bro show and they're at the Super Bowl. And I was like, how, what are they how are they doing this as like they're getting paid? This is amazing. And so I just created my own blog. I just Googled how to start a blog. And I just wrote over a thousand blogs. And I just kept emailing them to Dave. Um, and I would pick random yeah. other emails too. I'd just guess Dave's or Big Cat's email and tack it on there and email them. And nobody responded for a long time. <laughs> and then one day Dave just responded. I was going to ask, how many emails did you send before he responded? I don't know. I would guess it's in it's in triple digits. I bet I sent him over 100 emails, maybe a couple hundred emails. I mean, there was a point where I was emailing him every day. For That's perseverance. And w- what was the response when he finally responded? He was honest. He was like, all right, dickhead, stop emailing me. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you want to do? I think your writing's really good. You know, he, pre- he asked me, like, he asked me questions that you're in a job 
uh, like interview research process, hiring process, you're like, it's illegal to ask. <laughs> like, yeah, but HR, as, as they, yeah. yeah, totally. But HR didn't exist. Like I said, like I'm employee number 19. Like we were, it wasn't barstool. It's just not like, the first video I went and filmed Dave and Gaz sales guy, who's Dave's right hand man. You know, they emailed me. We were just like, Hey, like total up what you think it costs for that video. And, and we'll just write you a check. And I was like, yeah, it was about like 1300 bucks with like a couple flights and some stuff. And they just wrote me a check for 30. Like that was the whole company. God, you're like, why did I say it was more? actually $18,000. Yeah, exactly. What a miss. <laughs> what a miss. But yeah, it was that simple. And I, I love like elections and, and this was early 2016, like Trump was becoming a thing. So there was just stuff to write about that Barstool wasn't writing about because mm -hmm. Dave had a very simple policy. I don't want to piss off half the country or more. So we're not going to touch politics. And I essentially have proven on my blog, like, Hey, you don't have to piss people off. You just poke fun at everybody like you do with sports, like you do with current events, whatever. Um, and I'm not just saying you can do that. Like, here's how I'm, I've been doing it. And so he basically hired me to be the only guy. And to this day, Dave's written emails when somebody does something he doesn't like or writes about a topic he doesn't like. He'll write a company-wide email. That's like, Riggs is the only person that's allowed to write about politics. And I'm like, <laughs> I haven't written a political blog in, in years. But, but shortly after I got hired, I said, like, hey, by the way, I love golf. Like, is it cool if I write about golf? He was like, if it's good, we'll publish it. And that was pretty much it. So you started off with just writing about golf. You weren't doing the videos. You weren't doing the podcast. You just saw like, I'm the political guy, but also, by the way, I'd love to start doing And they didn't have any golf people at the time. No, it was Trent and myself. And Trent was Trent was blogging golf. Um, but, you know, Trent's way more into the, like, the drama and especially, like, the players and the wives and, and like, the out. He's just more into that type of stuff where I'm a little bit more into, like, the courses and, and kind of more golf nerdy stuff than was being covered by Barstool at the time. So I started writing like course previews, um, you know, uh, tournament previews for like the US Open that year. It was Oakmont and and kind of it, it was a difference to what Trent was doing. And, and at the time, especially like old school bloggers at Barstool, like you cut your teeth blogging. That's what you did. That's like the lifeblood of Barstool is the blog. And Dave still goes back to it a lot of like, that's what he did for a decade was he just, before we were doing videos, podcasts, radio shows, all the bullshit, it was like, you sit down and you crank out. Dave and them used to crank out 15, 20, 25 blogs a day. They just cranked out blogs. And so that's kind of how you got on his good side. That's how you earned and built up like an identity with the readership was you wrote about everything. And people would go in and find, you know, hundreds of blogs that you would write and they could learn about how you thought about the world and the jokes that you like to make. And, and so it was purely sitting in there and people would be stunned when they walk into old Barstool HQ because they'd walk in and they expected to be a frat party and people be hanging off the fucking walls. <laughs> yeah. We'd have our headphones right. in, it would be dead silent because people were just grinding and writing blogs. And so it was so different back in the day. Yeah, I mean, it's turned into an unbelievable company. He's done a, he's done a great job. But I know he likes to give you a hard time all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but now here's your chance so we can talk about it a little bit because he did the U.S. Open thing where he could you know, win, win the U.S. Open with unlimited mulligans. But if you give us an honest assessment of Dave Portnoy's golf game. He's horrible. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> there it is. Horrible. But he's, he, dude, it was so shocking that he shot four under at Shinnecock. And yes, he did it with unlimited mulligans. Yeah. Took him like 325 <laughs> mulligans. How long is that like, round? Yeah, how long is, that's, that's a great question. Honestly, not that long. Maybe. We did it under the time because you got to realize Dave has zero pre-shot routine, zero thought process. He just literally would step up to the tee. And he had like his caddy at the time. They had like a shinny caddy for him was just like a conveyor belt, just putting golf balls in front of him. And he just kept swinging until he liked one. So a lot of times we step up on a tee and if he would hit one, however far he hits it, let's say 240 and it would be in the fairway. And we knew that was the best. It would just take him one swing and then we'd get out there and he would keep hitting. So we honestly weren't 
that slow, the USGA had put up, which is amazing to say out loud, the USGA had reached out and put a five-hour, 15-minute time limit on it. Okay. said, you may have the maximum, however many mulligans you need, but you have to finish in five hours and 15 minutes. That's our rule. And Dave's like, no problem. I'll do it. And he went out and he shot four under at Chinnacock from the tips. And he's, I mean, he's probably a 30-something handicap. Like, he oh, never do plays golf. play? He doesn't play golf. Okay, doesn't no. play. Perfect. He likes golf. Like, he likes following tournaments. He likes the drama. But it's just, like, not one of his hobbies. And, like, his mom, Linda, God bless her heart, was, like, the, the coach, I believe, of both the men's and women's team of the local high school. So oh. she's very into golf. Um, his dad, Cousin Mike, who's my guy, like, he loves golf. So he likes golf, but he just doesn't ever play. If he played a little bit, he wouldn't be horrific, but he just has that. I mean, he plays once every two years, maybe. Yeah, he's a baseball. What what was the most shots he hit at one time? Most mulligans he took on one so shot. He you think? can't hit off a down slope. He just can't. Do <laughs> That's it. a problem. Okay, okay. I, so, I get it, dude. I, I get it. Join the club. So, right, exactly. So eighteen at Shinnecock. You know, mm -hmm. he hits a he like whatever fluffs a drive out there, um, and you know it's playing like five hundred yards in the U.S. Open. So he then lays up to I think he was like 130, 140 yards. And he's on that little downslope on the 18th at Shinnecock. And the pin was like back left. And he legit couldn't get one airborne. And at the time, he's like two under. And we had started on, I believe, the third or fourth hole. So we only had a few holes to go. But he can't get a ball. Like, he can't get it airborne. He's just like shanking him into bunkers. He probably took 20, 25 swings. Oh, my God. Wow. Standing in that fairway. And he's like, Frankie, what do you think I do? Frankie's like, well, the problem is like, he has to take his last one, right? And none of them are in good shape now. And he, and so he needs to hit a decent one. He just can't do it. He's like hitting him in the fescue, hitting him. He's like, well, if I had to play on a fucking fescue. So it was turning into a little bit of a nightmare. And then out of the clouds, he just hits a low, pretty, pretty pure one that skips up the right side, dribbles up to like 20 feet, and he canned it for a par. So it's just like lay up par four, lay up on the par four scramble. I have 47 48 shots, shots, shots later. Made That's what happened. So was, was this before or after the open? This is before. before. So, that you know, they do There'd media be some day. crazy divot patterns out there. Dudes showing up like, what in the fuck is this? It was crazy because we rolled up and, um, you know, there's no one really there. There's no members there. But the president of Shinnecock was there and he's in a blazer. And he came rolling out and he introduced himself to Dave. And he said, the only app I have on my phone is the Barstool app. That's cool. Have fun today. You know, good luck out there. So, like, amazingly, Shinnecock Hills embraced it and the USGA embraced it. If it weren't for that... Like we, you know, like for playing what we do wouldn't be nearly as big because a lot of companies that we work with or, or the PGA of America, you know, we're able to leverage like, well, if the USGA works with them, like yeah. we can work with them. It's the USGA. So, so that was actually huge. And I was nervous because I said, we had uh, Craig Annis who does a lot of the marketing over there and he's an awesome guy and he was relatively new um, and he comes from a different industry and he was the one who had reached out and been like, numbers don't lie. These guys, Barstool, they bring the numbers, they bring the eyeballs, whatever. So we're going to welcome this mulligan challenge thing, which was shocking to us. Um, and on like the second hole, you know, we were already a hole and a half behind or something. And, you know, there's a groups behind us that are in media day and they might be celebrities or whoever they are that are just so rattled on the tee, so rattled. And they're at Shinnecock and this guy, Craig, is so uncomfortable. And Dave Portnoy, he's Dave Portnoy. So he's standing on the green. He's hitting like his 40th putt for par. And does not care. One he bit. could not give <laughs> yeah. a, He's like, I have unlimited mulligans. Like, what do you guys not <laughs> yeah. understand? Y'all don't know what we're doing. He's here. like, it is unlimited. I will stand here until I make it. Um, and Craig said to me, he goes, I'll be honest, Riggs, I'm either going to get fired or I'm going to get promoted today. And within a year or two, he got promoted. 
and it went it went really well um but it was shaky at the start and i felt bad for him but dave Pornoy doesn't care and he ultimately shot it was so shocking that he shot that number because he's terrible at golf that is that is really impressive actually it's more shocking that I think Shinnecock would like want that to be out there. That's an old blue blood play. You know what I mean? That's not like Shadow Creek or something like that. It's a different joint. I know. And, you know, the USGA does like part of the deal is they pay X amount of money and they get to kind of do whatever they want with it, you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, we had Za, who's, um, who I love Za, who's, um, you know, a midget from Zimbabwe, who was running around in the, in the fescue shagging balls. And it was like, and, and, you know, the USGA was a little bit nervous. Like, what are the optics here? And one of the things they always talk about is like Nick Price, who's from Zimbabwe, like Zai went up to him in tears and was like, you're my dad's favorite golfer of all time. And Nick Price was like, oh my God, what's going on? Met So Zai was like, no, this is the greatest day of my life. Like, what are you guys talking about? So that's just Barstool in a nutshell. Yeah. Dave Portnoy shows up. He's got like his crew and it, it might be, it seems like there's a, it's a circus. People don't know what's going on. But people paid attention. Like, kids and those guys hit me up. They're like, dude, we're in the locker room at the tournament. I watching. can't remember where they were that week. They're like, we're all watching, being like, I can't believe he's, he just birdied fucking, eight, you know, or party. <laughs> That's incredible. Amazing. So, well, it, who knows? When yeah. you start it, but, I mean, you get together. You get your job at Barstool. You start foreplay with the other guys. Are you at all surprised to where it's at right now? Shocked. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's. Um, I mean, you got a shirt with your podcast on it. I mean, it's just like... Yeah, it's it's... You know, I think a lot, you know, I don't want to like the cliche is like pinch yourself, but like I'm a victim of having really awesome dreams a good amount of time and you wake up and you're like, God damn it. And I think every day a part of me legitimately thinks like, oh, I can't believe you thought that was real. Yeah. Like you're going to pop up because it's, it's, I'm not, you know, no train for it. There's no school for it. There's not, you know, there's nothing. And yet here I'm like, people care what we have to say. People like following us um it makes money it's a job but it's also not so the whole concept of it is no nobody could plan it out nobody could map it like i would say the only reason i would be hesitant to say that like i'm stunned is because like i know what's gone into it and like the blood sweat and tears that has gone into it the hate that we get that we like persevere through like it's not easy and and like the number one tweet or instagram that i get is always like I can't believe they hired this this loser to do this job. Like, uh, I'm a two handicap. I should be doing. It's like, well, then go do it. Yeah. Like we invented the job. Dave didn't. Dave didn't put out a a, a wanted ad. Like we invented the job. We went out and just created it. And so if people want to do it, like, do it. And and ultimately, that's always gonna like motivate me, right? Because people want our job, right? Like when you guys pop up, it's very motivating. It's like people are fucking coming after it. Like it's a good thing, but if you take anything for granted, especially when you have a really cool job, somebody's coming for it. And that's true of anything, man. Like if that's true of, of sports, that's true of if you're the number one ranked player in the world, that's true. If you're a centerman on the New York Rangers, like no matter what it is, people are coming for that shit. So that's the only reason I would hesitate to say I'm like fully stunned is because, you know, like we take the business of it pretty seriously, Yeah, sure. but I don't think we would have expected it to be where it is. After your 85th unanswered email to Portnoy, you probably want to think six years later, <laughs> no, this is, this is where it will be. And the fact that it's golf, right? Like that wasn't yeah, my golf, original yeah. pitch. Well, that's what helps. I mean, grow the, grow the game, all that stuff, whatever the saying is. All right. Give me the, like you said, people look at you. I got, you got the job. Everybody wants, I should have this job, blah, blah, blah. Give me the one, get one negative thing about your job or the worst part about your job. Um, you just have to have thick skin. I think that's pretty much it. You have to have really, really thick skin that again, you're not, you're not trained for. And luckily I think I do. 
but for the first, especially like the first year, the first time Dave brought me on his podcast, which this was mid 2016, you know, and I'd been, like I said, kind of in a cave, just blogging for months. And I had a very popular, like, and this always happens at Barca. Like when you're a new hire, everyone's like best hire in so long, so much better than this guy that's been there forever. Um, because there's this, the tides and the shifts new. And so I was new and I was a couple months into it and I was writing about something fresh and different. I took it so seriously and I was so pumped up and I felt really good about myself. And then Dave brought me on his podcast and just made fun of me for like 20 minutes, <laughs> 20 minutes straight by like this freak look at his eyes. Oh my God. And just like, just roasting me. And then all of a sudden, like I go check my Twitter, which had been all positive pretty much for months. And it's just people making fun of me on Twitter. And you're just like, you don't, there's no way to prepare for that. And there's no world in which that would be a reality. Like maybe your buddies will bust your balls. There's locker room talk, like hockey guy, whatever. But like no world would you just have like thousands of people making fun of you openly. So having that type of like introduction to it, I certain people aren't cut out for it. And we see it, people that get hired at Barstool or other content spots that like don't handle it well at all. And so I think that having that thick a skin is extremely important to like, especially to have confidence in what you're doing, right? Because if you're like trying to make people laugh, you're putting out videos, you're putting out podcasts, like you need to have conviction in what you're doing and you need to be a little bit like free of mind to do it and speak your mind and like try to make people laugh. Because if you get it in the back of your head, like, oh, this fucking asshole on Instagram thinks that I, you know, I, I have bad cadence when I talk. Well, then you can't talk. You're like, yeah. well, shit. Like if you start thinking about how you talk, you can't talk. Um, so I would say that's by far the most difficult part, but I haven't had a single day since I got hired where I felt like I was like going to work. Like not one. That's nice. That's a nice thing. Right. That's well, you, over at Foreplay, you, y'all got y'all's guys. You know, you got kids. Mm-hmm. Matthew Fitzpatrick's actually one of y'all's guys. I'm, you're all huge Tiger fans. Who are some of the other guys that's in y'all's circle? Um, Doug Gim's a big one. Yeah, he was on recently with yeah. the players. Yeah, so we had him on. You know, he jumped on yesterday, which was cool for him to do after I'm sure he was just devastated after shooting 78 and, like, watching JT basically, you know, pick that golf course apart, tee to green. Um, but Doug, God bless his heart, I met Doug. I was on a plane to Bermuda for the tournament this last fall, and he was sitting middle seat behind me. And everybody's got masks on, so you can't – I can't – and he's like, Riggs, what's up? I was like, hey, man, no idea who he was. And again, he's got masks, I can't tell. And he put up an Instagram story. And I was like, oh, shit, that's Doug Gim. And I knew him from the amateur and from the battle with Doc Redman and all that. And, um, and then that whole week, we played video games like every night. Um, and he's such a good dude. He's so funny. Um, and, and, you know, he had gone through kind of injuries and transitions. So he hadn't had like the first year or two that he wanted. Uh, but he's been playing well this year. And like, he's the kind of guy, like, he sends me. He always just forwards me uh, funny shit on Instagram. Like, anytime I go in, I got, like, four, like, posts from Doug. Where he just <laughs> said. Um, so that's kind of a guy that's, like, that's a little bit under the radar, but also one that I'm pumped he's one of our guys. I think he's going to break out, you know. Like, he's clearly got the pedigree, low am at the Masters. Um, Fitzpatrick is a surprising one because he's, he's European. Like, we're not necessarily popular with Europeans. I don't, I don't know if they know <laughs> what, what we are in Europe. Uh, but Fitz is like such a good dude, Max, obviously, but I think Max is, you know, Max is friends with pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Brownie, Scott Brown, I love, you know, he's kind of that, that kid's crew. They play Palmetto together a good amount. Um, so uh, there's a good amount of guys and, you know, like Joel, obviously, I mean, now I'm just kind of going through our roster here yeah. in Scottsdale. Uh, but it's, it's very cool. I would say how many guys have sort of embraced it. 
you know, because I think there's probably a contingency that like you want to be surrounded by people like none of us have competitive golf experience in our in our crew. None of us. Um, none of us, again, were tra trained in like journalism or anything like that. Um, and yet there's a ton of guys out there that embrace what we do. Like I know Matthew Fitzpatrick has hit us up a lot about he just listens to the show. Mm -hmm. It's like we're not saying anything fucking insightful that Matthew Fitzpatrick is learning. Um, but he just enjoys it and finds it entertaining. And so, you know, those guys embracing it like Pat Perez is another big one who who jives with us, who makes us laugh, who's always a good guest on the show. Just a ray of sunshine. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bald energy, old Patty. <laughs> Clearly. Um, but even them being able to like give us their time to do videos and stuff, yeah. it's like you guys could be doing anything, and they're going to spend you know five, six hours with us filming, wait for a camera crew to, to get set. They're in the way. Like when we did the four-man scramble against kids at Pinehurst, like – our, our my producer our camera guy jake bass just like stepping all over his line and kids is just like yeah that's great jake just like walk through my line yeah that's perfect and jake he doesn't know what's going on he's like yeah. he's just pointing the camera at kids's face what's like, a line what'd yeah. you say yeah. <laughs> he's like what do you mean like, so it you know the fact that we're such a clown show but guys embrace it uh is very very cool and there's a lot i'm sure i'm missing but um but yeah there's a good amount of guys out there and i think it's just the barstool name a lot of it more importantly is, is there any guys you like to go at a little bit yeah Poulter. <laughs> but Frankie Perfect. loves Poulter because we don't like him. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Poulter, like, a lot of people would say it's just the Ryder Cup thing. But a lot of it's, like, the the with the complaining about the nanny and, like, getting people fired from their jobs. Hard delivery thing, yeah. Yeah, that type of stuff. It's just, like, what a loser. So we've always <laughs> said it. Um, but I've, I DM'd him before. I was like, hey, man, like, I know we've gone at you before, but, like, we'd love to hash out any differences on the show. Like, I think people would love it. And I'm sure if he came on the show, like Perez says this all the time, I'm sure he'd come off great. Yeah. You know, dude, like, Ian's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see I mean, why you're people not don't like him. the only guy like that. Yeah. No, I can. I'm, I can like see. from the outside. Before I got to know him, I didn't like, like him. him. And then I got paired with him a few times on tour, and I'm like, this guy's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's great. And we're a little bit spineless, admittedly, yeah. right? Like, we, you know, where there was a phrase we were going through, people <laughs> called us like brand rehab because, like, guys that we would shit on, yeah. like, would agree to come on the show, and then we'd be like, I love that guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, he took shots at Here's Justin Thomas boy. early on. Big time. Yeah. Big time. And there was like a six month stretch where, like, we would go back and forth at JT. Yeah. Um, you know, and he was going through the whole, like, getting the bunker thing. And I know that he was, he was probably rattled that, like, everybody wants to be liked, right? And there's, like, a certain crowd that, that didn't love him. And then JT, like, God bless him. He, like, FaceTimed me one day. I was like, hey, man, like, I think I'd like to do the show. We should chat. And now I love JT. And, like, he's by far the highest profile guy on my phone that, like, will always respond if I text him, which, again, is crazy if that's a real yeah. thing. But, like, you know, Bubba was another one that, like, we'd go after him and Ted Scott. He invited, you know, me and, and Jake to Estancia, and we played – um, and he was amazing. Like he was super friendly and he was funny and he was very open and I think we made him cry. So it was like, well, so that's not, that's weird. Would you buy him a, would you buy him a lemonade? Or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the weird thing though. When you start doing this, you might say something you would say sitting around, Oh, that guy or what, you know, you take a little shot or something. You realize like they might hear it. They're, they're very good chance. They're going to hear it. And then you all of a sudden got to, Oh, maybe this guy comes on the show and you got to back that up. It's a different, it's a different feeling. Totally. And it's like, when the guy does come on, you're like, uh, Jake, can you research what I said about this? Yeah, guy? find out all the shit I talked <laughs> I real quick. Not. I don't have enough time. I don't remember what I said. I got no idea what I said. So yeah, we we have gone on funny tangents before. We've just been like, we nothing we say on the show could be held against us. Like we're just we're going. We don't. It's not to be taken seriously. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I mean, it is tail between your legs a little bit. But if, I think as long as you're honest about it, and like usually we're reacting to the information that we have, right? So like. If the way someone comes off on TV and the way they come off in interviews is 
like they're a dickhead. And then we get them on the show and we hear their perspective and they're a lot more kind of insightful and they come off like there's more compassion and empathy towards them. Then we're like, oh, yeah, we just changed our mind. So, you know, we'll I would defend it that way. Yeah, yeah we'll flip flop. Yeah. Well, we got to ask you about y'all's number one guy, obviously, Tiger. Because, I mean, I've never seen four grown men drool over another grown man. Like y'all do over this guy. I know like, what you watch. Like, I mean, he's he's the guy. I know that. But I mean, y'all are just infatuated with this guy. Tell us about the first time y'all ever got to meet Tiger, if you can remember. First, oh my god, I remember every <laughs> okay. second. First time it? I met Tiger was at Shadow Creek in the locker room. I, I watched that interview the other day. <laughs> Boy, were you nervous? Oh yeah, my god. I'm gonna get to that on a one. Dude. On the freakout scale, where were you in that leading up to it? Knowing that, like, hey, all right, Tiger's ten minutes out. Tiger's eight minutes out, or whatever. It was. It was his as high as it could possibly be. And I'm a person that speaks for a living. And I was concerned that I wasn't going to be able to talk. <laughs> like I legit was like, how am I going to like make words towards, <laughs> make words, towards make that words. man? Like, what am I, how would rather this? make love to him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah please. What can if we I just, get lost can we just do that? Yeah, yeah. It was at shadow Creek. It was, uh, <laughs> it was the day after the match with Phil and I had gone out there, you know, the Excel team, my buddy, Kevin Hopkins, who works for Steinberg. He had been like, come out to Vegas, like give up your Thanksgiving cover the match. We're going to make it worth your while. Like I'm going to do everything I can to get you a little time with tiger. Um, I was like, okay, great. So again, me and my guy, Jake, we went out to Vegas and we just kind of putzed around and filled time. And we went to the match that day. And there was kind of this plan that if it goes well, maybe tiger will probably be in a good mood. He'll do it out, but he loses. And it goes into like five playoff holes with the, they had the dick and balls and all that, mm-hmm. um, at shadow. So he's like, Hey, tigers, it's late. He's out. I'm like, shit. So then I get a text at like, 11 p.m. It's like, hey, meet me at Shadow Creek in the morning because it's the pro-am going on at Shadow Creek. Tiger and Phil will be there. I kind of have a plan. I'm like, all right, amazing. Um, so I got up, got there at like 8, probably 7, 8 a.m. on Saturday morning in Vegas. And luckily we hadn't gone out that night. And he's like, no cameras allowed, so you got to be alone. Can you do it on a phone? And I'm like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Um, so he's like, here's my plan. Tiger and Phil are going to be in the locker room. And at nine, they're going to get called out to do photo ops where everybody gets a picture of Tiger and Phil. And Tiger's always the last one out of the room, always. So he's like, so Tiger will hang back. When he hangs back, I'll go grab him for a second, ask him if he's down to do an interview. I'm sure he will be. And you'll have two or three minutes with Tiger alone to ask questions on a phone. Is that fine? I was like, that's our fucking plan, dude. And he's like, yep. And I was like, all right. So here we are in the locker room at Shadow Creek. Phil's like got one leg up on the table holding court, you know, with like a coffee in his hand, telling stories. Tiger's just sitting there pretty quietly. After about 20 minutes, the whole room clears out because they go take pictures. It's just Tiger, Joey LaCava, uh, Robbie Mack, my guy Hopkins, and myself. We're the only people in the Shadow Creek locker room, which is a big locker room. So like Tiger clearly can just sense that there's another human in the room that's me and it's and it's me and i'm like oh my i can't believe we're here we're like doing this so hops like i'm gonna go talk with tiger real quick i'll be right back and i'm like you're gonna talk to tiger okay great so he goes over uh comes back a couple minutes later he's like tiger's in he's just gonna put his shoes on real quick and you're good to go and i was like oh god oh god i wish you would have said no totally i'm like <laughs> you shit you know what i gotta say go. anything else dude <laughs> yeah. literally anything else and uh, and it, you know, I'm going to give him my phone. So I don't have anything. I don't have a computer. I don't have a notepad. Oh, you got to memorize all in my head. Ooh, I need to like know what I'm going to ask Tiger Woods. So I'm in my head going through, like trying to come up with like exercises to remember what you're going to say. And Tiger comes walking right over with Joey. Um, and I introduced myself. I blacked out. So I don't know what I said, right? It was something along the lines, oh, a huge fan, you know, whatever. Um, I'll, can I, I'll just stay, I'll be your servant, like whatever you want. And then, uh, we, you know, Kevin's like, all right, you want me to film it? So I hand him my phone and I'm like, dude, you better hit record. And he's like, I know I got it. He, and it was as, as like 
bush league is he's like, do you want it like sideways or like straight up? And I'm like sideways. He's okay. And I'm standing next to Tiger. I was going. And then Joe LaCava, whose son is a huge Barstool fan. And I'm, and Joey, whenever he comes in for like Rangers games and stuff, I always get a beer with him. So he popped his head in. He's like, you got this Riggsy, go get him. And that just (laughs) totally like freed me up. Uh, and then he hit record and I chatted with Tiger for like two or three minutes. And then right afterwards, I, I, you know, Tiger, like Jeremy Roenick walked in the locker room oh boy. and he's on one yeah. at the time. No, yeah. Yeah. Nah, it doesn't sound like and he's like, Tiger, can I get a picture? And Tiger's like, yeah, sure. So then I frantically like upload the video to Jake, who's back in the hotel and I'm frantically texting him and I'm like, where is it? What's going on? Have you gotten it? And he's like, I'm checking everything right now. Give me a sec. And then he texts me and he's like, Audio's awesome, video's awesome, like we got it. And I was just like, let's go. And I was playing that next that round with like Bob Mennery and Paige Sprannick, and we just got annihilated As all you day. Should. And, Cause it was just like it was only eight AM in Vegas. Um and then the other part was I took off I had on my shirt, one of the shirts that yeah. we sold underneath that said, you know, the goat on it and it had Tiger with the backwards hat and the sunglasses going into the PGA championship or whichever tournament that was. Um and Hopkins was like, You should try to get a picture with him with that. I was like, are you serious? Like, yeah. And Tiger saw it and looked at me. He's like, that's funny as shit. And I was like, hell yeah. And took the picture. So it was like, it couldn't have gone better. It was. My, I'll be honest. My favorite part of the video is because I go out there quite a bit. Is Jimmy, the old man in the locker room. Oh my he's God. on the phone, answering the phone. And then all of a sudden I hear, what? What? It's fucking Jimmy. And I'm like, this is incredible. He's interviewed Tiger in this old bag. Jimmy over here is answering the phone and yelling. Dude, he killed my answer. It's the pinnacle <laughs> of my life right now, dude, Jimmy. Dude, that's one of my favorite dudes on the planet, Jimmy. He's unbelievable. I'm like, Jimmy, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, I just asked Tiger <laughs> what like, tournament he thinks he's going to win next year. I'm going to be buried with this video, <laughs> yes. bud. Just two minutes and for the was, guy that wants his shoes brought out to the ballet. So it was right when I listed all the majors the next year to Tiger. I was like, which one do you think you have the best chance at? And he called a shot and was like, I really like my shot at Augusta. And he, of course, would win at Augusta. But right when he goes, um, I really like my chance at, and it's like, ring. Locker room. Locker room. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm like, Jake, can you get rid of that audio? He's like, what do you know? Like, what do you think? It's on, your phone. It's on, a, it's on an iPhone, <laughs> bud. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's perfect. You uh, asked him that question. Let's let's get to that real quick. Let's go through the four majors this year. Which one do you think you'll win? Majors, yeah, not, we're not asking you which one you'll win. I've, I've seen your action. Okay. Hey, we won that day. We did win. We cleaned people out that know. day. Yeah. All right. Next four majors, because major season's coming up. Who wins the Masters? God, it's such an obvious pick right now, but I got to go JT. Okay. I think the JT, the way his ability to work the ball both ways on Sunday was amazing. Like it, and at Augusta, I think his ability to do that, he's going to win at some point. I think everybody agrees he's going to do that. He's going to win at some point. So I'm going to call JT at Augusta. Trending. Why don't you pick yours too? Let's all go around the horn. Who you like? I don't want to agree with this guy. (laughs) You're going to take JT? That's most likely, yes, who I'm leaning towards. Okay. All right. I'm going to take, I'll go Bryson. I got JT penciled in. You're going Bryson. There's no I think Bryson. Bryson. Yeah. I like him a little more under the radar this year nice. than last year. It was like winter bust. This year it's kind of, no, got to get other the stomach issue good. figured out. Augusta. No, no green reading books either. It's a problem. <laughs> That's true. Yep. All right. U.S. Open, Tory Pines. Mm. I have a feeling I know who this one's going to pick. And he's probably who I'm going to pick. <sighs> yeah. We're going to, we're going to line up, I think. Um, I'm going to go with a weird one. I'm going to go Patrick Cantlay. That ain't that weird, it. bud. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. Cali guy. I'm pretty sure we're both going with John Rahm. Okay. He likes the place pretty good. Okay. He ain't bad around yeah, there. He, he is got, good around they'll there. They'll only say he got engaged there 42 times th- during the week. Was that his first tour win was there? It was. When he had the Eagle chip? Yeah, and it's the one that cost me quite a bit of money. Come on. The bomb. Mm. Come the on. Bomb. 
Have you never heard about my bet with Phil? No. Oh, God. I'll oh, this you. is okay. a great Do you want to do it? Do it. What are we doing? We're just chopping. Yeah, they wrote an article about it. It's great. So we were at Memphis. This was John Rom just finished NCAA. So he's getting ready to turn pro. And he's like, this kid, John Rom, top 10 player in the world. I'm like, dog magnet. He's not even on the Corn Ferry tour. He's like, I'm telling you, he's top 10 player in the world right now. He goes, I was like, okay, what kind of, he's like, you want some action on this? And I was like, yeah. I go, how long? He goes, a year from today, top 10 in the world. And I'm like, he's in college. He just finished college. He's yeah. Getting ready he literally to, just I think took he played his next start the next four days ago. And I'm like, okay, yeah, what? And he goes, give me some odds. So I put up three grand to his, or I put up 10 grand to his three grand. Okay. Dude just goes on a heater. Oh. Boom, boom, boom. Makes, ends up getting it, Cloney. But I remember I was at Bottle Blonde here in Scottsdale, and he's got that eagle putt on 18. You want a bevy? Nah, I was cheating on him. For yeah. Okay, all right. I was a bottle he's blonde, a free agent sometimes. And right. Sketchy dude, story. This putt yeah. goes in the middle for eagle, and I screamed so, no! I was like, what just happened? I was so dude, mad. And it ended up happening at Colonial. He cr- uh, cracked into the top 10 for the first time. Oh, so it took no, it was, it was oh, easy. It was he, he didn't play a bad event. He's on sponsor's exemption. He's finishing third. But my whole deal was like, if stuff. he doesn't get his tour card and sponsor exemptions, he's dead. Like, right, he's no got to go play the corner right. tour for a year. Yeah. So the, I thought the odds were definitely in my favor. Yeah, I was wrong. Tickling one down that slope and it goes Yeah, in. Phil played oh. with him one round, the first round ever at Whisper Rock, and John shot whatever he shot. I was actually out there that day, and he came in and was like, this is the dude. And sure enough, he wasn't too far off. But, yeah, we got him. I'm, he's, I think, the, the guy to beat at That Torrey. guy, I would say anytime they pan to him and he's inside of, like, eight feet, it almost seems like they shouldn't even The whole thing he is good. There's just nothing. There's, there's no weaknesses. There ain't nothing does bad. not miss. All right, let's go All right next one. PGA Championship, Kiowa Island Ocean Course. Oh, Roy McIlroy won yeah. the last time. It what did he there. win by eight there? Yes. Yeah, that was a pounding. You know, I w- feel like that one's a little bit more of a crapshoot to me. Um, I'm gonna go. I mean, now I'm gonna take the number one play in the world. I'm gonna go DJ. Okay. That's right. Do the same thing Roy did. Just hit seeds off every. That's what I think. I really like. That's where I'm gonna take JT. At I really like Rory there. I need him to get it together a little bit, though. But. Yeah, that's I got scared off of taking him just because of what I saw, which yeah. is stupid. Like he's Roy McIlroy, he'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going Xander Shoffley. I Ugh. just think Ooh, love that. It's too. a ball strikers golf course, and so is the players, which I picked him last week and he missed the cut. So, um, but he's gonna he's gonna rebound for me. How many majors do you think Xander Shoffley's gonna end up with? Dude, that's such a great question because like we talk about like Colin Morikawa, you know, wins the PGA. Yeah, and they're like, oh my god, this is the next guy. He's gonna win ten majors. I'm like, or he could win one. This could be the only one. Yes. Like, you have no idea. It's so hard. How many but, guys I mean, did we say that about, though, when they come out, like, oh, like Charles Howe, we would have bet a bunch that he would have a bunch by now. You know what you, I mean? Like, it ben always Curtis happens. going to have one or yeah. John Gill or DJ only has Todd two. Hamilton. Think how good Dustin Johnson's yeah. been. He's won every year for, what, 15 years? And he's, like, only got two. Yeah, he's got two. So that's, like, it, yeah. So it's so it's so hard to put a number on it. And it's so hard to win majors. Like, JT, he's got one. Like, yeah. it's not. You feel like he's gone on a tear. Um, I'm gonna I mean, pick. Rory hadn't won one in six years. Yeah, if you would have bet six what? years ago, oh. hey, I bet you Rory won't win a major for six <laughs> yeah. years. You know what the odds on that would have been? I mean, it would have been through the roof. How about that guy hasn't won one in that one? I know, it's crazy. Yeah. God. That's what, I mean, golf. There, there's some young kid right now we've never heard of that in four years going to be like, oh, he's going to win six majors. And then Padraig Carrington has three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, quickly. Great signature, by the way. Quickly. Great, yeah, great I'm going to say signature. three. I think Xander's going to end up with three. Majors. I mean, yeah, that'd be incredible. That'd it's be really just so good. hard. Yeah, be, there's too many good dudes. And that, that feels like we're that, short selling them. I know. You but get four just, tries just many, a year. There's too many good guys. Like, okay, you can, you can only give 
So many people can only win. Exactly. I mean, you got Patrick Cantley, you got Xander, Colin Morikawa, you got Justin, Dustin, Rom. Rom hadn't won one either, guys. Yeah. I mean, right. there's, it's he's going to win some. And yeah. then there's going to be young kids, like I said, we never heard of coming up. They're going to be in the mix too. Uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't. Know, we didn't know Victor Hovland was say, two no. years ago. Hovland you know? going to win one. I mean, what a chill dude Xander Shoffley is. He's awesome. He's just chilling. He just needs to get those emotions in check. He's too much of a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Just calm down, just dude. Just too, yeah, relax. Yeah. Him and Cantlay are just way too up and it's down. It's just golf, fellas. Just yeah, relax. Just everyone calm yeah. down. It's going right. to be fun. <laughs> last one, the Open Championship at Royal St. George. hard. Darren Clark won last time it was there. Where, to be honest, Dustin Johnson should have won. He had a four iron out of bounds. That will be on the par five. That was at par five? Was it yeah. a four iron? Four iron. Where you shanked, shanked yeah, it right, right over yeah. the right over the fence. Um, I'm gonna pick one that I don't think is gonna be a crazy pick right now, but come tournament time might be is Lee Westwood. Wow, well, I mean that'd be, that, well, that'd be that, that might be that'd the be biggest incredible. story of the year. Yeah, I you know like we've seen it a million times with older guys winning mm-hmm. the British Open or being in contention. I mean, Darren Clark won there, pretty great. old guy. Maybe Lee Westwood. That's good. I like yeah, it. be 47, 48. When he's 47 right now, I don't know when his birthday is, but I mean that'd be a hell of a. He'd been the best player to never win a major for a long time. What a great vibe he's got going right awesome, now. Awesome dude. Slees asked me about him the other day. I was like, he's the guy you just you want to have a beer with after the round. He's yeah. so cool. There's he's a lot of euros like that. Yeah, but I feel like he needed to get to that point in order to play some of his best. Because he was, all, he always felt so uptight. Well, it was just like even at the players, win? he's out there smiling. He's making, he's hitting three woods in the water. And he's still, he looks like he's enjoying the moment, being in, you know, kind of have a resurgence uh, more than he would. At I've maybe never seen 30. something either. A hundred percent. Never seen something either where it's like every time they would pan to him and that Sunday back then every hole it seemed like he had four to like seven feet for par. Yes. Yeah. And who looks like he's never going to make it, but he was making all of them. He made him, and he made him at Bay he, Hill too. You knew he had to miss one at some point, and it yeah. finally happened on seventeen. But I like know. I was with you, like he just made clutch one after clutch one. It was what was going on on seventeen because I we see it every year, but it feels like guys are able to lag it way closer. Is it because the new green that nobody could get it to stop? Like yeah, he said, they redid it, so I guess it's just a little faster. You see when the camera panned down how shiny it looked. I mean, yeah. that thing looked like it was rolling. Well, thirteen here's and a half. The you, you can't risk leaving it up top. I know because then you're gonna have the same thing all over. I remember like tiger when he won in what was it 14 13 he lagged it to like a foot yeah but he's tiger it doesn't count yeah i guess that's fair yeah all right so you went lee westwood i'm gonna go oh, dj there. that's actually who i was saving for the Shit. open as well he's fucked oh i think he's gonna miss uh-huh. the cut well, for sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> never wrong to pick yeah. DJ. Exactly. all right there um, we go we nailed every we nailed every major winner for it'll the be year. fun we'll, we'll write these down yeah. See how we do. Which one are you guys most excited for? I guess I would say outside of Augusta. Everybody's always Well, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm going to Augusta for the first time this year. Never stepped foot on property. What? Yeah. What? Never been there. For CBS? I'm doing, yeah, the like featured group stuff. Good for you. So I'm very excited. I've never, I can't wait to see the place. I mean. I'm actually stunned by that. that you've never. Yeah, I know. I, I was very stubborn. and said You're a connected never. man. Yeah, but my whole deal was when I was playing, I wouldn't go until I qualified. And now I'm like, well, and now quick, shit's another flip flopper there. Yeah. You know what, guys? Guys? <laughs> I know a couple. Awesome. Yeah, After reassessing the situation, I'm yeah. now open for an invitation. Yes. I, I've said it. I'm like, anybody, I'll go whenever y'all want. Literally uh, anyone that has access. Anybody got a grounds ticket? I will anybody, take a Greyhound yeah. to Augusta oh, tomorrow. Man. So your first experience will be covering it. Yeah, that's pretty I'll cool. I'll step on the grounds Tuesday, April sixth. What kind of access? Like, I know you're covering it. I have no idea. Okay. I'm, I'm Probably not. Champions locker room. All yeah. you, are you able to have, a, like, a phone? Champions dinner. I, I don't know anything. I, yeah. First off, you have to send your, like, social security number in for your credential. Like, it's like There's going to be a background check and yeah, definitely some blood taken. I know you have to get approved and all that, and I was very excited when they told me I was approved since I turned down their invitation after I... My favorite experience, the first time we were ever at Augusta, it was, uh, it was like me, Trent, Frankie. We were down there. 
um, and Dave was there as well, but it was just the three of us watching golf and we're standing right at, you know, aiming corner, right? We're 11 green, 12 T and we're standing over that like huge mound. That's just short of 11 green. And somebody was on like a sprinkler head or something down just short of the green. And so they call for like a rules official and a fucking green coat appears out of the trees, literally out of the trees behind 11. It might not even be a green coat because it was like a rules official. So I don't even think they had like a green coat. It was just like a normal fucking blazer appeared out of the trees, normal fucking blazer. <laughs> came over, whispered a couple things to the group. And then at wheel, and then he just, he just like field of dreams. He just disappeared into the trees. That's how they, are, yeah. And he was gone. And it was like there was no structure there. There was no path. Not he just came and then he was gone. And we just were like, is anybody else seeing? Yeah. Like that man was just. They're there. like shoeless Joe Jackson. Oh, there it was. Because they just it was vanished. Awesome. It was there. awesome. That's it the was. best spot, by the way, on property right there too. Yo, okay, guys, I'll, I'll go there then. Yeah, you should check <laughs> that spot out. Really if you can get, highly down recommend there. this yeah. place. Yeah. I mean, I gotta. Hopefully, I can sneak a picture too. What year was that that you were there? Who won that one? Seventeen, Sergio. Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah, we saw him at. I mean, this is totally unrelated, but we just we saw the first person we saw. In Augusta, we got there Sunday night, and we went to go grocery shopping, and Sergio was just there in street clothes grocery shopping. And we were like, should we go say something to him? Because we've been really mean to him online before. <laughs> you got a, you got a bunch of dudes like, should we go apologize real quick? Yeah, Maybe right. try to, and then try to get him to come on? You can't apologize. Yeah. No, we're hey, just dude, like, I'm sorry. What are you doing Tuesday? Yeah, 100%. You ever heard of foreplay? Yeah. Not that kind, the golf kind. Uh, and, and we ended up just being total cowards. We just took a picture of him with like his cart, and we were like, man, we're not going to like tweet it. That's weird. And then he won, and then we tweeted it. We're like, Perfect. look, we took this cool picture. Yeah. Everyone's like, he's just at This a is what store. the champs eat each year. He's in right. the background. Exactly. That's right. So Picking out cereal. His Tuesday dinner plans have changed now. <laughs> it was a reach, but like yeah. we were trying. Uh, that's that's well, good. You want to get into the E9? Yeah, let's hit that. All right, E9. Nine. All right, here we go. Very, well, they're going to be interesting with you. Okay, this is honest. probably going to be tough. Yeah, we'll just start it out with one we always ask everybody. Movie made about the life of Riggs. Who plays you? Any actor, dead or alive? Oh man. Um so the one the one actor I always got the most growing up was um was it Christian Hayt is the guy that played uh Anakin in Star Wars, the first three. Was it Christian Haydenson? Is that his name? No I don't know. I know the kid you're talking about. I don't you know, know what I'm talking his, about? I don't know what his name is, but yeah. The 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 young Skywalker, whatever. The young Skywalker who obviously not the kid that was like pod racing, but the next one when he was uh when he was banging Natalie Portman. No, that's a good guy to have. Yeah, good guy. All I heard was Natalie Portman. Harvard girl. Too, yeah, she's. Way. I was about to say, that's realistic. Ah, yeah, Harvard girl. You want, uh, so I want to come clean right now? You know Natalie? <laughs> no, I, I don't. <laughs> I'd be great if I did. She's a beautiful woman, very talented actress. Yes. All right. I yeah. was very nice to you. I said Russell Crowe because I couldn't think of anything. Russell Crowe? Yeah, of course you're going to take that shit. That's way better. I'm out of here. I pick Gary Sinise on the advice of some of our boots on the ground. Lieutenant Dan. I get Lieutenant Dan all the time. Yeah. Yeah, people say it's like terrifying. I want to change mine now. Russell Crowe didn't happen. I'm going with him. Which people, I will say, people tweet Gary Sinise at me like they're hurting me, but I'm like, I mean, he's a movie star. Yeah, sure. yeah dude. Sorry about the Hollywood good looks. Yeah, I don't care. I, I didn't even fine. realize it when they told me that, and I was like, not once they said it, I was like, yeah, shit, that's the one. Yeah, I get that the most. That's a good call. I forgot yeah. about Gary Sinise. All right, next one. Lieutenant I love, you, Dan. I love that you asked someone who would play him. They actually offered it when I was okay. trying to dig up Fair. some dirt. You're doing some research. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Dude. Just, you know, this ain't rookie league. All right, what's the one stereotype about Harvard you dislike the most? You may have said it earlier in the show already. Um... Probably that everyone's like a silver spoon, you know, trust fund kid, because almost everyone that I know from Harvard 
isn't. And Harvard also has like, it has uncapped financial aid, right? So like, they'll just admit anyone that they believe deserves to be admitted. And then their financial aid is such that if you need financial aid, no matter what it is, they'll, they'll cover it. So they don't like, they don't cap their financial aid. So the whole point of that is that like, there's so many people at Harvard that once you, once you go to Harvard, people are just like, Oh, that's like a Harvard douchebag who have like insanely diverse backgrounds. So, that's probably what I would say. All right. It's fair. Fair. Very fair. All right. Number three. I would say most of us, I mean, I know I do it. I know he does it. You know, you're, you're out there on the, on the range hitting balls, you're swinging. You're like, man, swing, swing feels like Roy McIlroy today. Swing feels like Adam Scott today. Who do you think rigs his golf swing most resembles or who do you think you swing like? Fuck, who did I get? Current tour player. Who did I get the other this day? This will be interesting. I got a great one the other day. Somebody tweeted something hilarious at me that I God, I can't remember who swing it was, but they tweeted at me. So and so swings exactly how Riggs thinks that he swings. Yeah, that's who I exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, and I can't. God, I can't remember who it was, but it was it was perfect. Um, uh, Louis Ustazen. <laughs> <laughs> he's one that I aspire to because it seems Louis's one of those that seems achievable because it's just so like simple. when you watch it. You're no, like, I know, I know. Oh, I'll not. just do that on Monday. <laughs> yeah, and then you get out there and you're like, nah. I would say maybe uh, B Todd. That's oh, fair. Okay, okay yeah. I'll take that's that. actually yeah. a pretty yeah. good one, right? Because like, like the shank on seventeen, it's all grass. <laughs> yeah, the ball, the ball, Riggs has that. I've seen that, right? Because like when Rory swings, I know that's not achievable. Yeah. When like Tiger would say, I know that's not achievable. No offense to be Tiger, when he swings, I'm like, oh, I, I could kind of maybe do that at some point. It's fair. You yeah. can't putt it like him. No, 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 no. You can him, hit it like him. Him and Kiz and you roll the rock really good. I like that. Yeah. All right. All right, next one. What was more emotional, emotional, leaving Pinehurst or watching Old Yeller for the first time? <laughs> <laughs> I did cry when they when they had to take him out. Of back. course, who doesn't? I mean, who didn't? Yeah. Uh, if you don't, you're not human. You don't have a heart. And I was at my grandparents' house. You know, it was a whole thing when I was a kid. Uh, probably Pinehurst. Yeah, that I was the real. Those were real tears. I sobbed. Ninety nine days in that joint or something. Ninety nine days, and I don't do goodbyes well. I always, um, I'm always a like, yeah, I'll see you soon guy. Never like a. This is it. Goodbye, yeah. guy. Yeah. So I, I hate goodbyes. And my, my boy, Tom Pashley, um, who's the president of Pinehurst and just an awesome guy, uh, he knows that. So he kind of set me up for failure, to be honest with you. I had no <laughs> You got no the cameras. Choice. They know you're going to be emotional. You're uh, walking he down, just like, totally on. dogged me there. And I had no clue. I mean, I had no idea that was going on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of those people have become, like, very good friends of mine. Uh, my buddy Dave, like I, I went to his wedding a few, uh, a few months later. So like, and I didn't even know him until I arrived at Pinehurst. So like a lot of those people were good. And there's a element of like, we'll never, there's an element of like, we'll never have like this again. We'll never go through this experience again. And I know it was like a pandemic and I know that it looked, but like a lot of those employees were laid off. Like Pinehurst laid off over a thousand employees, like 80% of their staff. Um, and we raised a bunch of money and like, I kind of helped them do that for a lot of those people. And then they came back and then like, you know, from their perspective, it was like business was, was booming when they reopened. And a lot of those people were rocking like barstool gear and had come because we had talked about it. So there was a lot of a connection. I do understand the optics of like, here's a guy at a, at a golf resort during a pandemic crying because he's leaving the golf. Who resort. wouldn't leave dude. Oh man. I got roasted. Like Dave, I think Dave, Dave Portnoy finds it to be, the most preposterously funny video in the history. <laughs> and he'll just occasionally, I can tell when he's like bored or he's going through the archives, he'll just tweet it out randomly and be like, I had forgotten this video exists. This is amazing. Um, so I get all that stuff, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was very emotional. And like down to, you know, like my guys, 
Kevin and Barry, who were like the bellhop guys there, who like, I mean, there were days like I, <laughs> I had such a preposterous setup that I would, they gave me a golf cart from the, you know, resort mm-hmm. that it was just mine. And I parked it right up front at the Carolina hotel and they would charge it for me every night. And there were nights I would come home shit face drunk from being at the brewery or being like at a buddy's place. And the cart would be, you know, like in Wolf of Wall Street scene when they like take those <laughs> and it's just a nightmare. I'm at the country club. Yeah, the car, <laughs> that's, that was me. And the cart's just like sideways with like leaves on it and stuff. And I'd come down and those boys would have it like charged up, cleaned up. And they'd be like, Riggsy, everything's good to go. How was last night? That's awesome. So then this was cry. like this Leaving was like that. the last time that like my guy Kev, when I got off the elevator, like he was waiting at the bottom of the elevator. I was like, Riggsy, I'm gonna get your bags. You just walk out. And then there was like a line of people. And so the whole thing to me was just like it was crazy. Side question. Take number two out of the equation. Favorite course at Pinehurst. Oh, number four. Number four. Have you played the new number four? The Gil Hans? I haven't. I like <sighs> number eight though. Eight Eight's would be great. mine. I haven't played any I haven't played two since the I redo or any of that. I would say eight's sick. Four is probably most people that visits number one, even over number two now. It's just really really good it's fun it's got a lot of the characteristics it is a donald ross original but like gil hansen modernized it it's beautiful it like goes it kind of wraps around this pond so you've got kind of water views that people love so it's just it's great awesome i love it well please don't cry when you leave us today okay yeah we're gonna we're gonna have a few more i gotta stay here if we don't get tears i'm gonna be pissed Kill myself. all right well you and your boys at foreplay y'all been playing some tour players y'all been playing a scramble against them i think you're undefeated we're undefeated against PGA Tour, yes. Against PGA Tour? You've Whatever. lost somebody else? We're undefeated against PGA Tour. Okay, undefeated. Well, Leave it at that. The only one they document are PGA Tour players. Well, obviously, we're not as good as those guys. So I want you to set the line. If Vegas was going to mm. set the line right now, mm. subpar best ball against four-play scramble. Ooh, best ball. Ooh, best ball is interesting. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I know oh. Pat Perez. What, what are you guys shooting in the scramble? I think you guys would probably be favored um but we are sneaky we're sneaky good in that we got lucky that the things that each of us are good at are not the same so like we actually kind of turn into a complete golfer you know when we played (laughs) when we beat pat perez at true north you know he had like never played the golf course i think he shot i think he shot 666 and we beat him one up he had a dirty lip out on the last. Outrageous lip yeah. out. I felt, he was mad. I feel bad for him. He was into <laughs> He'll be it. okay. He, yeah, that's true. He'll be fine. Uh, but then, like, at number two, you know, we played we played Piners number two from 7,600 yards. Mm-hmm. And I think we shot three under 69. And kids shot, well, I guess, technically the par 70. So we shot, like, a one under 69. I think kids shot 70. Mm-hmm. So, like, he played great that day. Um, so we're kind of that sweet spot. Like if we played an average court, I would say if we went out and played like Whisper Rock and played the South course or something, we'd probably shoot six or seven under would be my guess. Okay, and so I think you guys would probably be a little know, lower I than I think that. it'd be a fair, it'd be a close fair game. Cause we're going to, if we play well, bury some of the same holes. We don't and have yeah. a lot of count too. Anymore. Yeah. And we I, ain't, we ain't what we used to be. I don't know. You guys are pretty I would never shit anyway. So, so we're supposed to favorite. In. I would, I've only seen you play. It's fair. Colt. So that my gets, shit's real we'll good. Just, <laughs> Tell him, Cole. Yeah, Hersley's fucking play. So it's my shit is clean. Best ball is tough because like the beauty of when we do the scrambles against the pro is like they just got one shot. Yeah, that's and that's you know how important that is. So it's it would be I think we'd be slight underdogs. 
Okay. All right, you're even money. We're minus one. We'll get get that lined up. I'd be crazy not to say we're underdogs. Uh Yeah, dude, you got to stack the deck. Tamper those expectations. Yeah, with a bar. Next one. Being that you are a political guru, if you ran for president, what would be your campaign slogan? (laughs) Oh, man. It's kind of a tough one, actually, now that I think about it. it. Yeah, that's tough. Get amongst it. That could be one. (laughs) Everyone stop bitching. That'd be a good one. Hit it hard. Um, Hit it hard. It's not bad. My campaign slogan. I, God, I don't know. Uh, Vote for Dave. Yeah, what about this? All right. (laughs) Have a lot of drink. What's audible? Dave's name gets brought up on some of these uh, presidential deals, right? If you are his campaign manager, can you make Dave Portnoy the next president? There we go. The issue with all all you would need to be able to do if you're Dave Portnoy's campaign manager is you just need to be able to be yelled at. Because no ideas that you have are going to be... Good enough. <laughs> good enough to be accepted by Dave or probably better than Dave. Like his instincts and just record with that stuff is, is flawless. So he would need you to just be there, get stuff done, and just get yelled at a lot and be able to handle it. So, so yeah, I've, I've gotten yelled at many times by Dave. One of my favorite Dave stories is when we were, um, me and Trent were blogging the golf back in the day, and it was the 2016 Ryder Cup. And, you know, Sunday singles take a lot longer because there's obviously 12 matches, so they start a lot earlier. And I'd gone out and got pretty liquored up the night before, so I was hungover. I left my computer at the office, which is a no-no when you're in the blog game. And so I – and we at the time, we didn't have the technology to, like, blog from our phone. So um, so what we, it's like Rory and, and – uh, Rory Pacharita, first match. Are, like, popping off, you know, and, like – and we're tweeting about it, and we're, like, getting action on Twitter, but we hadn't written a single blog about it yet. And me and Trent just get an email from Dave, a two-paragraph email. And the first paragraph just says – Hey guys, what's going on? Anything going on in golf today? And the second paragraph's all caps says, Wake the fuck up! With like <laughs> 50 exclamation points. <laughs> that is awesome. It was it was so good. So so yeah, I mean, you gotta be able to take some shit. So that would be that's the number one thing. You just gotta be able to like be yelled at ruthlessly. <laughs> Tough day to forget your computer in oh, the office. Oh man. Sunday of the Ryder Cup. Oh. Final day of the Ryder Cup singles. Rory and the best Raiders seven under through eight. <laughs> yeah. going and my it. thinking was like we were, you know, we were there till like Saturday night blogging and then we went out to the bar and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get up early fresh and like get to the office early and like crank. And I just missed that window. So, so, oh, so it, it like happens. 11 a.m. It happens to oh, the best of us. Like 11 a.m. I was like, I don't have my computer. What am I going to do? I'm in an Uber on the way there. I'm like, please, God, be good. I get an email that comes in. Read the first paragraph. I was like, all right, it's not been. And I was like, oh, no, he's really bad. <laughs> this is okay, a problem. Right, he's yeah. fine. Really bad. He's fine. Yeah. All right. Number seven. <laughs> your life is on the line. A 10-foot putt has to go in or you die. Who are you going to pick to putt it? Mm. Trent, Frankie, or Lurch? Trent. No, no hesitation. Not even close. Really? Not even close. Or you could just put a gun to your head and just end it right there. (laughs) (laughs) Trent, it's not even close. Trent's a good putter, actually. Trent's fast. Trent's a good putter, and the other two are horrific putters. So in the scramble, he's the last guy. Trent usually goes. No, he's the last guy. I'm the last guy, but Trent, I would say we've. Trent started to play so much more golf in the last year that we're probably going to need to redo our shuffle because Frankie goes third. And Frankie, he said the last one that we did, Frankie made a putt on like the 11th hole or something against Perez. And he goes, uh, that's the first putt I've ever made in one of these. <laughs> and we were like, what do you, what do you mean? It was like the fifth one that we've done. And he goes, I always go third. And if it ever gets to me, I've never made it. 
because if you guys couldn't make it, I have no chance to make it. Yeah. <laughs> so fair. he's just never – he's only made one putt, I think, in the history of us doing it. So It's hard when you only get two looks at it. There's no way yeah, to read. Right, <laughs> it's right. hard to know which way Lurch breaks. hits the ball great, actually. He just he's, – he's a really poor putter. Really poor. Happens. All right. Last one for me. I need you to think on this. I was told you'll know exactly where I'm going with this. What pisses you off more in a golf in a buddy's golf trip? Losing or being forced to eat pizza with a, with a bunch of toppings on it afterwards? Do you know where, where we're at here? Is this Cabot? This could be a potential uh, Northern California trip you just took dad recently. Dad bod's open. Yeah, the dad bod open. Our guy Jersey with okay, here we go. one of the worst pizza orders in the history of pizza. And he's a great guy. And you guys know him particularly well. But his very simple philosophy that when you've got like 20 drunk guys and you're going to order pizza for the group, you keep it simple. And this pizza order was like <laughs> super supreme mushrooms with like ranch. And that, that was all of the pizzas. And, and I immediately I had a couple drinks. And the second the pizza order came, I started looking at other people like, this is going to be a problem. You guys realize this is going to be a problem. But our, our boy Jers, who he put his credit card down, bought pizza. Everybody's so like, everybody's like, oh, thanks so much for the pizza. And I'm looking around like, are we doing this whole charade here with like, the, <laughs> I think this is a joke. We're all starving. And sure enough, like there was one, I think one was a cheese and, and everyone's doing like a courtesy, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'll try that Supreme pizza. That's great. <laughs> and then sure enough, like half hour later, look, every single piece of the cheese pizza gone. All the other ones, there was like one slice was gone. How many times have you been on a buddy's trip with 20 guys and somebody orders eight pizzas and every slice I, is I hate out. to agree with him, but I'm on, I'm on the same page. Of course. You leave it to Jersey, you're going to get some weird shit. But I've been told a couple dudes are like, he lost his mind over this pizza order and could not fathom the fact that there was only one cheese and like seven other weird ones. I couldn't believe it. And I <laughs> again, all the proof was in the pudding that all of those pizzas were just left. Yeah, I mean, you got 20 yeah, there, dudes. Yeah, there's your proof right order there. Order some cheese, order some pepperoni, call it a day. Thank That's you. It. It's really not that hard. Yeah, it's very and we simple. even had people straggle in like an hour later. I was like, is there any, like, anything to eat? We were like, oh, there's a bunch of pizza left. And they'd all kind of look around. And they'd be like, yeah, there is pizza left. Yeah, and they just, nobody would, would try Mushrooms it, so. and olives and, and yeah, that's just all that for kind the of birds. stuff. So. By the way, side question on that same trip. I also heard you might be the only man in the world that thinks Pebble is harder than Spyglass. Oh, yeah. Had that. What, what no. you, you wrote previews for golf courses. How do you think this? This is. In my, I, in my defense, I have. I have admitted that I think I was wrong. Okay, okay. Perfect. all right, all right. flip flop, another flip flop. Good. And I also got what happened was I got into, I got into a debate the first night of the first trip that we did, and I just kind of blurted that out as a take, and then I just very stubbornly defended it the rest of the trip, hard, and then just throughout the last two years, especially on like the group text, you know, like there'll be a quote, especially whenever they play the AT and T, that'll just somebody will come out with a quote of like. Yeah, he's got to play Spyglass today, which is playing several shots harder than Pebble, and they'll just, like, text them all to me. And so I've just gotten roasted for that take. So I think a few months ago I finally was like, boys, I got big news. I think I was wrong about that take. Yeah, yeah I think I was wrong. But I will say, if the wind is blowing, that's a difference. I yeah. still think Pebble, because the wind never really affects you that much at Spy after you get past the fifth hole. I mean, maybe the last 11 holes at Pebble are harder. Yeah. I mean, the first seven are, you got to go. Yeah, because you can play the first, you can play that back nine a lot of times straight into a wind at Pebble, and it's a battle. Mm -hmm. But if it's not blowing, it's it's way. All right. No, I was zero about that flip flop. Credit to me. You came around. Yeah, exactly. What a big man you are. All right, last question. Back off of that. I think I was wrong. True or false? 
One day you almost got completely naked with Paige Brannick. Yeah, she beat me. I had to get into a, um, I had to jump into like a Long Island, New York pond wearing just a thong. She told me the bet was, though, if you won, she had to just jump in with just a thong on. Correct. So a lot of people were rooting for that's me. Not, no, that's, shit. that's a loss for mankind. First off, that's the worst golf you ever played. I'm very upset. It was, uh, you wouldn't believe how many people I had mad at me after. Uh, <laughs> they're still they, mad. They tune into this video and they're expecting something. Yeah. And then they got rigs in a, in a thong diving into a pond in New York. It wasn't, in, you know, I was sucking in as hard as I could. It's cold. I do brought you, like a sock yeah, to put cold, in. The, yeah, guys, it was a whole. Relax. Do you want me to? Sucked. Do you want me to tell you what she said? <laughs> yeah, I do. I hate to say this, but I'm. I, I told her I would tell you. First off, I was very disappointed that you lost. I bet she said something nice about my body, didn't she? She, she goes, Riggs actually has a nice ass. <laughs> I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, I delete immediately. Put it, put it on your headstone. Yes, Hockey Paige Brannick said Riggs has a nice here ass. Lies, Things you thought here lies never Riggs. happened. Paige thinks he has a nice ass. I knew that was coming, and I, yes, that will. I might put that in my Twitter bio right now. I've never been so disappointed. I don't know why it's not there already. <laughs> it's hockey guy. We got nice asses. These fucking legs and tree trunk. You know, you gotta you gotta have some muscle down in here. If only I knew how to use them in a golf swing, it'd be awesome. Well, that, I'm happy. Things. I'm happy for you, but you yeah, blew right. it for the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, Riggs, I'm, yeah, dude. Sam, this has been great. We'll see you later. We appreciate it. Thanks, we don't fellas. want you to cry. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. We'll see you later. We'll see you soon. Yeah, Talk. see you soon. Well, yeah, keep the tears back. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, fellas. Appreciate yeah. it. That was a blast. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Riggs from Barstool's Four Play Podcast. I mean, what a great guy. What a story. Harvard graduate. Obviously, spent all the money and all the time to go to Harvard to become on one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Yeah. Starting off with oh. blogging. Yeah, it'd be hard to graduate from Harvard, get a Harvard degree. You're expected to like run a hedge fund or be an investment banker or something. Come up. Oh, what are you doing with that Harvard degree? I'm blogging. You can do that from the from your grandma's basement, but uh, man, he's been a beast. Interesting to know because I didn't know this going in, dude. That he started off like as a political blogger. That was kind of his path and things like that. And then, uh, you know, kind of started pushing. Hey, I, I love golf. I want to cover golf. And then that's how this thing was born. But there's a good lesson to all you kids out there. If you're trying to get a job or you're trying to pursue a girlfriend or whatever, and you send 50 emails and they all go unresponded, just keep sending them. Just keep sending them. Be relentless. Wait till a restraining order comes into place before you say no, because that's what he did, dude. And, and now look at him. He's taken off. He's got a monster show. Yeah, they do a hell of a job. It's it's really cool. I mean, this thing, like you said, it is a monster for them. We're, we're, we're going to catch him, though. We You know, we've we've passed him a couple times in the rankings here and there with some of our monster guests. We're, we're coming for him. Yeah, they're the benchmark. They're the bar. I mean, they're the ones that are up there every single week. They do a great job. They're at every event. They're putting on tournaments and doing things like that, which we may be involved with in the future. But I mean, they do it. They do it big. And that, and then Riggs is pretty much the reason that thing's gone from nothing to the biggest golf podcast out there right now. So props, props to Riggs. I thought it was really, really cool. Like the time he got to spend with Tiger Woods at Shadow Creek. Obviously, all the guys there, everyone in the golf world is a huge Tiger fan, but they're like, they borderline stalk him. And for him to get to spend that time with Tiger and talk about how nervous he was, I thought was really, really cool. But Sleaze, they've been ducking us a little bit because I threw the challenge out there quite a while ago. You know, they play this four-play scramble against these PGA Tour players. They've done one against Paige Sporanek and a couple of her friends where it was a four-on-four scramble. I challenged them because obviously we're better at golf than they are. I mean, we're studs. We're incredible, incredible talents. Yeah, I thought, you know, their scramble against the subpar best ball of Gravy and the Sleaze, I thought that'd be a hell of a matchup. I mean, we would dust them, but – you know, we're trying to get it done, but I think they're ducking us a little bit. That's fair, dude, because they go out and they play like Joel Damon straight up, you know, against them, and they play Pat Perez. We're not tour players, but we play a little bit of golf, so best ball versus their scramble. I'm up for it. Let's go. Tranny for tranny, man to man. Let's go figure it out out here in the desert.
I'm all, I'm all the way in. You don't got to you don't got to twist my arm. I'm you ready. know I like to compete. Might be the most excited I'll ever be on the first tee if this actually ever happens. Yeah, this will be a blast. We actually need to make sure that 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 um, goes down. Also, interesting thing talking to him too, because like outside looking in, talked about dude, your job's great. You cover golf. You go all these places. You play all these great golf courses. But all the like social media hate that you know he talked about getting and things like that. Because he's not a golfer. He didn't grow up in the sport. He didn't play competitively. He didn't play on he's tour playing. and all this stuff. And there's so many golfers out there. It's like you can't cover golf or you can't do that unless you did this or that. And I think that's like. It's not, I don't think that's really fair because he doesn't claim to be, you know, hey, I'm a great player or hey, I almost made it on tour. I did make it on tour or whatever. He's just like, I love golf, dude. I'm a diehard golfer. I'm going to cover it the way I would like it to be covered if I was a guy consuming golf content. And he's done that. So, yeah, the social media hate that he's gotten, I know it's a lot. And that's part of the deal just when you're the biggest guy on the block, when you're barstool, like whether you're great or not great, people are, there's going to be people out there that don't love what you're doing. But he handles it. I think now he's got a good grasp, a good grasp on all that. Well, speaking of not great, it's time to get into the gambling segment of the show. Not our best performance over at Harbortown. My guy, Terrell Hatton, did make the cut. You went a little risky with Kevin <laughs> Kisner, who was battling some putting issues, went to a totally different style of putting, and another missed cut racked up for this lazy man. I mean, your your resume is, you know, in the one and done, is kind of looking like your Jicky Jack career. MC, 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 32, second, MC, MC. Yeah, dude, it's hard. I would have... I would have liked to know that he broke his putter that's made him $82 million uh, prior to making that pick last week, but I made it. I'm going to stick with it. And um, I mean, the only good news is Tyrrell Hatton, who I love going into the week 39th. It wasn't like a crushing blow. So I didn't, I didn't drop like, you know, too far, but I, I mean, I got to make a move at some point, but yeah, a lot more MCs on the board than you would think when you can pick literally anyone in the world every week. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get a little update in the standings. Pro Producer Mark, how we doing? Yeah, so that T39 Colt got you $30,885, ballooning your lead to $1,663,000. Right in there. All right. I'm basically just, the, my only loss, I'm basically behind Scotty Scheffler making it to the finals of the world goal, of the match play and me not advancing out of the pool pool uh, yeah. portion. That's it. Well, like you said, there's a lot of golf left. You say that Tons, every week. Dude, I, I say it every week. Let's stay the course, yard by yard, inch by inch, move the chains. Let's go. That's how you rally the troops. So, yeah, this is the week I got a feeling, though. This it's is your honor. Interesting week. Yeah, yes. we got the Zurich, Zurich Classic here in New Orleans team event. So this is a tough week because you got to have either, obviously two-man teams. You got to have both guys available. And once you pick them, they're both done for the year. So if you use one of those big-name teams, you know, there's Patrick Cantlay, Xander Schauffele. You got John Rahm, Ryan Palmer. You use one of them. They're both done. So difficult week. But for me, this week, I'm going with the guys. I feel like this team's not getting quite the respect they deserve. You know, they're 25 to 1. You got one guy who's won twice here at this golf course, TPC New Orleans. One of them being an individual format. The other one, he teamed up with Scott Piercy to win. The other guy is an LSU Tiger. I mean, pretty much basically grew up in this area. Stud ball striker. You know, loves it around here. Feels like it's home. The team of Billy Horschel and Sam Burns is who I'm going with this week. Yeah, a little surprised seeing them down the board like that for all those reasons that you just mentioned. I Just looking at it on paper, if I was handicapping them, at least just in order, like I'd have them a lot higher than they are on the betting board. But Vegas typically doesn't get it wrong. But uh, good pick. A couple of Southeastern dudes that are very comfortable playing down there in Louisiana. All right, I'm going to go with my pick, and I got very high expectations. I feel like this team is perfect because they're both guys that I like, but they might be just out of the brink of me picking them in the one-and-done individually. Uh, I feel like I would have picked one of them already if I was going to do it. But I'm going with Mark Leishman. Cam Smith. Okay. They're the third betting favorite going off at nine to one. So Cam Smith, as you know, already a winner of this event. He won it back with Jonas Blix a few years back. Uh, he's coming off back-to-back -to -back top tens, Augusta and Harbortown. 
Leishman, also in good form, T5 at Augusta. So both guys playing well coming into this. And I feel like alternate shot, Colt, I feel like is where this thing's kind of won or lost. You get the best ball format, a bunch of teams are going to be making birdies. You got to put the pedal down. You got to go. Alternate shot is where you need to avoid the big digits. And Cam Smith, like, who's a better security blanket as a partner than Cam Smith? If you miss a green and you got, I mean, maybe he and Patrick Reed, the two best short games in the world, on the, you know, at least on the PGA Tour. Nice little safety blanket for him there to know that no matter where you miss it, Cam Smith can chip it stiff. So uh, I'm going with Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, and uh, that's my pick. Nine to one they're going off at, and I need to make a move. The season is long. There's a lot of golf left, Colt, but at some point you got to put some points on the board. We're, we're approaching yeah. that time for Team Sleep. I, like, I like both these teams a lot, so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the Zurich Classic here in New Orleans. I will be on the coverage, so make sure you tune in. And make sure you go to golf.com, go to the pro shop, check out that subpar collection, Buy up all the cool hats, T-shirts, everything we got. A lot more coming, too. But make sure you get that little birdie, birdie juice. He's a badass. Yeah, get this little skinny bird. Get my little skinny brother right here. Look at that guy. Tell me you don't want to hang out with that fella. Play a quick 18 with that guy. So, yeah, that's all coming. Visors are coming for all my big my big noggin brothers out there. Those will be on the way, too. We'll just keep releasing this stuff as it comes, and we'll let you know about it. But thank you so much for all your support and uh, for scooping this stuff up. Yeah, golf.com pro shop, or you can look in our bios on social media, the subpar Instagram account. You can get the direct link from there as well. That's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar.